think that goes back to that message of we're here for them. And, and what now I want to kind of snowball back into that because, you know, we, we brought that up when we first started, but you know, I almost think that that conversation is um, it's, it's foreign to me, just like it was to you guys when you had that conversation. And I don't really know why the fire service kind of has to redesign or redefine what the core mission is. I mean, you know, there's always been flow path. Now it's a conversation called flow path, right? I mean, you know, it's always been an issue. You vet here, fires goes here. Air moves, you do this, you blah, 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 right? Now, you know, we're here for them. No shit, we're here for them. Like, isn't from day one, we were here for them, no? That's right. We, we ride on their fire truck. They just let us borrow it 24 hours a day, you know? And, and the crew, when I was a captain, we always included the community at a fire. The kids, we let them play on the fire truck while we were loading hose. That's their fire truck. And yeah. We have to, you know, and I don't know where we got away from putting them first. If you go to the grocery store, let a kid get on the fire truck. I liked fire trucks when I was a kid. I agree. It's it's theirs. And um, we have to get away from we're better than them. We're just servants. We're, We're public servants that serve them daily. And I don't care if they call me to put their grandmother back in bed. I don't care if they call me for a sick call. I don't care if they call me for a fire. I'm their servant, and I should act that way. So, anyway, Chief Mo Davis, what's up, my man? Hey, man, how are you guys doing? Fantastic. Thank you for uh, joining us tonight during the... Drinking a beer. Yeah, I'm actually doing a cold one too, Chief. I hope you have something to keep your uh, keep yourself uh, hydrated. But, uh, you're listen. You're high on life, man. I love it. I, I I'm telling. You, I want to talk about this because uh, you know. Thank you for hopping on tonight with us Sunday night. Um, you know, and so on. But uh, this has been uh, this has been an interview I've been really looking forward to. Um, we met a while back, but maybe Rob should get into that first. Rob and you had uh, an encounter before I became came along the line. So why don't we talk about Portland a little bit, or a little background on you, Chief, and then we can roll into how we got here tonight. Sounds good. Yeah. All right, so uh, I guess we'll, we'll start in Portland, because that's kind of where this uh, story for all of us began. Um, unbeknownst to me, uh, the, the Chief and I were both uh, invited out to FireX Talk that uh, Michael Snodgrass does out in uh, Portland, Oregon, and... Um, we, uh, on the flight out, there were two girls behind uh, my wife and I who were talking about their um, their dad as a fire chief. And, and, uh, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, I was like, it's, uh, I wonder if they're going to the same conference. And I just kind of like laughed and we landed and sure enough, they were there. And uh, that's where, where I met, got to meet Chief Davis. And one of the interesting parts about this was um, it was myself, Chief Davis, uh, Jim Oleski, and a guy from I think Missouri, I can't remember where he was from. Exactly. And we did a, a group discussion to kind of get everything going on about like who we were there for. And like, the, and they said like, describe the them. And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, the them. And I'm like, like, you mean like the people who call 911? And they're yeah. like, yeah. So like the, the four of us are sitting in this thing and they, we got a big pad of paper and we got to write like all this stuff down. And like I said, I like, I looked at Jim and I was like, where are you from? He's like, Cherry Hill. And I'm like, all right. So I know you're, you're about like the people yeah, who are like in the burning building. Right? Yeah, right, right, right. And right. then I looked at the chief and I'm like, chief, he's like, 
he's like, yeah, like, uh, I mean, of course you're like, who, who else would we be there for? And then the guy from Missouri, I was like, you guys go into buildings to get people out? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, and that's kind of, we, we, we chuckled at it. And that's when we kind of all realized too, that there's a lot of people out there that are not about like how the, the three of us in this podcast all, all view aggressive firefighting. And, uh, and then the chief gave an excellent, um, excellent class. He did, he did aggressive command out at, uh, out in Portland. Right. And then, uh, and then you had another class that you, uh, you did as well for, um, I, I always got them confused which one was the opening and which one was the closing, but yes, sir. it was yeah, a good time. My, my thing, chief, I know we haven't even let you talk yet. And this is your podcast. Like you're the guest, but here, here's the thing, right? Rob and I were excited to have you on and I'll tell you why. Um, our dealings, I met you down in Texas when we did the uh, affordable drill tower training um, and with uh, Steve Sanguidoce through affordable drill towers and what a, just an incredible weekend. And we're going to, we're going to talk about all that, but you're, you were a, a, a gentleman that just stood out and, uh, and I want to, I want to hop into that, but before we even get there, I think Rob segue into uh, a good conversation about um, for them. And before we get to them, let's talk about you for a half a second. And then we're going to snowball right back into that because I know you firmly believe in the customer service aspect and we're there for them and we're there for our own people too. So I want to hop into that. But Chief Mo Davis, give me a little rundown about yourself, brother. Thank you for joining us. Tell me who you are, where you come from, and why you're on here with us. Man, I really appreciate it, first of all. <laughs> and, uh, Mo Davis, you know, uh, uh, Houston Fire Department. I've been there 25 years. Um, you know, I'm one of those lucky guys in the fire department. I came off the tower, went to a good station, uh, kind of always stayed in busy districts and worked my way up through the ranks and just just had great mentors all the way. You know, uh, the, the senior guys, you know, they just kind of took care of me. And so now I'm trying to get them back, you know, and um, it's been beat into me for 25 years that we are here for the people who call 911. Absolutely. So, and, all this stuff that we're going through now, I just don't understand it. I mean, they're like this safety culture. I mean, believe me, I want us to be safe, but man, we still gotta, we still gotta take care of people. We still have to go and burn and build it. We, we still have to give them 110%. So things like this, I'm so excited about because, you know, we all think the same. Yeah. And I, I wanted, I wanted to get it out there to everybody that that's what we're here for. And so, you know, that's kind of my, that's kind of my, my upbringing in the fire department. My raising was around those guys who truly believed we're here for them. And so, and I kind of lived by that way. Never even think about retiring. Not one time have I thought about retiring. And, uh, you know, I'm really just getting ready to start my career, I think, and love it. And that's what I love, man. I, when, when, you know, now is not the time to use this word, but man, when I saw you in Texas and we met, and we shared a lot of camaraderie over a couple of days. We did. Um, and I walked away from that the one word that just stuck with me and I hate saying it now because of what's going on, but man, you're infectious. Your I love, appreciate it. love for the job, your love for being a part of the brotherhood and the fire service is absolutely infectious. And I love that man, because you know how many people aren't, you know, how many people are, are just not enjoying it. When you just told me 25 years in and you're just starting like, come on, man, that is a home run. I love that. It's a, I can't wait to get to work tomorrow morning. And I'm working my part-time job tonight. So, yeah, and, yeah. And the best part about that is, is the fact that, you know, you're not in a sleepy company. You yeah. know, you're not, you're not in a sleepy part of town where, you know, you're going to work and, and you're putting in the time and then you're coming home and, you know, you're ready to go. I mean, you're putting in work. Busiest district oh. in the city. And a busiest, busiest district in the city. 
and you know I'll make a bunch of runs tomorrow, and I'm excited. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. So when we were in Texas, right, and we're we're down there with affordable drill towers, it was a weekend of training, and it was lectures, and it was hands-on with the tower. Um, I have to say that you know um, I sat through your class, and I want to talk about all of that as well. Um, but my my most memorable moment of that was, and I think this kind of sums up the the attitude and the mentality you have about the job and just sums up who you are um, as an inspiration for many in the fire service was you came right off the training ground and you were so excited to get started in your lecture that you wore your turnouts during the lecture. You came in and still had your boots and your bunker pants on and you hopped up in front of all of us and that room was stacked. I mean, if you think about like the people, right? The people that we surrounded ourselves with that weekend were the cream of the crop, right? I mean, what a, what a great group of guys. Happy to say that we're all still very much in touch with each other um, through that group text and everything, which is just so cool, you know. Um, but I, I think, you know, I always talk about surround yourself with like-minded people. You know, if you put yourself with like-minded people, good things are going to happen. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. 100%. And, you know, our, our quick hitches, our turnout pants, is our suit. You know, it's, uh, we, that's what we I do. That's what we wear. And what do you, you call them quick? What is that? Quick hitches? Quick hitches. Yeah, that's what we call quick, quick hitches. So your turnout pants is your quick hitches. So that's uh, fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, and I kind of grew up this way in the fire service. If someone ever took time to tell me something, I took time to listen. Yeah. So now, if someone's going to take time to listen, I'm going to give them 110% for five minutes. And so there was no way I would have slowed down and, and taken that off and put my, my pants back on and go in there. I wanted to get in there before someone lost interest. So, yeah, that's just a, that's in a nutshell. Well, Chief, nobody's losing interest in your class. I'll tell you right now, man. I sat through it. I've sat through a lot of classes over my years, and, uh, and a lot of them are sleepy. Um, the energy you brought that day, and, and, you know, um, and it was a small regional training center, so it's not like the room was full with a couple hundred people. I mean, you found energy with the, with the few people that were in the room, uh, right. including the instructors, and, and the energy you brought was just um, infectious. It really was. I mean, that's the word that just keeps coming up. It's like, I, it's, it, I want to catch that. And I want to be sure that, you know, I'm, I'm judging myself against Mo Davis. Do I have the energy he has? Do I have the desire and drive that he does? And if I don't, let's go pick up your game. I love it. I think one of the things that I enjoyed about the class and just from like being out in Portland and meeting you again out in Texas, yeah. um, like there's this, there's this, uh, like mindset when you start moving up the ranks and you get past captain and you get up to chief and, and whatever that role is that like all of a sudden um, the fun stops. Yeah. And like, you've got to take on this different persona and personally, and you very much in that class were like, no, like this is like, you had a picture. This is me with a pack on because if I'm needed, I'm going. Yeah. And like, there was a picture I remember of you and you said, I'm going to look like I'm hugging the guy, yeah. but I'm not, I'm telling him you're getting it. And like, it was, I don't want to say, uh, it, it went against a lot of the things that I've been taught in command classes, but it, it was like, it's what actually should be taught in command classes because there's no way that you can, um, I shouldn't say there's no way, it's very difficult to run a dynamic incident yeah. by sitting back 300 feet away from the scene in a, in a car somewhere at a command post that you've, you've established and not have your eyes on, on the people. And I love that your class really like just focused on that. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, you know, I believe that in, um, you know, 
um, Houston Fire Department, the Mike Phillips, you know, the uh, the John Millers. Those guys are who I look up to and mentor, and they're like that. If something needs to be done, those guys are going to do it. Yeah. And those, guys, those guys didn't take it. And I tell people this a lot, and I know it sounds corny, but it's true. We don't take tests to do less. We take tests to do more. And I honestly believe that chiefs that are involved in the incident, that's up close to the incident, makes things safer. And because you get a feeling what's going on. And that was the guys who taught me through the, through the years. And, and I carry that on that I don't like sitting in a car. I can't get the feeling. And, and I hope that other people start changing and get that. But that is true. We, if we call a mayday, if we call a writ, we have to be ready to go just like anyone else. And um, if, if I ever get tired of putting my, my gear on, it's probably time to retire. And so, yeah, so, and I like it, you know, and I know this goes against everything in the safety manual, but I'm okay with a dirty helmet. You're working if you have a dirty helmet. So I'm okay yeah. with it. And so- See, the, one, the one thing that really stands out though, and I agree with you, you know, you, you, you've got 25 years in some of the busiest sections of Houston Fire Department. You know, all of your, all of that 25 year knowledge is wrapped up in your, in your brain and in your hands. And to now take that and put that 300 feet away from the scene in a command role that's not in tune with the tempo of the fire ground, right? Because so much is done on the fire ground and the feeling of the fire ground is not talked about. It's just felt. You feel what's going on. You feel the tempo. You can, you can see the anguish or you can see the look in their eyes. You understand and you're connected. Um, there's a lot of different ways to run. Very palpable. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of different ways to run a command structure. But the one thing I really took from you was the fact that we can't get away from the feel. We can't get away from the tempo and really the common sense of the fire ground. That's right. That's, that's true. You know, you can see it. And if you know, if you truly, and I think chief should, or all, all officers, you have to know your crews. You have to know them yeah. first. You have to know their families. And you can see if they're excited or you can see if they're worried. And then you, if you're there, you can catch on with this. And you know, and, I, and to get off the subject a little bit, I look at three things that on every fire. The line, I want to see it moving. I look at the color of the smoke and I watch the roof. I'm a safety guy watching the roof, make sure it doesn't fall on these guys. And then you throw that in. If I'm on a porch and someone comes out that I know that's a calm, cool guy and he's excited, well, I know something's not going right. So I, right. I feel that's why we have to get involved. But you're exactly right. We have to get that feel. It's like that. It's a sixth sense of a fireman, and you just get that. You just know if it's going good or not. Yeah, and that comes with that. Just comes with experience. Yes, sir. I mean that's, that's it. And you know, a lot of times we take our experience and then we put them in positions that doesn't allow them to really use their experience. Yeah, that's true. And you know something? I think officers need to take a step back sometime and listen to that senior guy. That senior guy has so much experience and a senior. And I think in Portland, I told a story about Chili when I was on a rescue truck, we we're on the second floor of a church fire. And he told me to cut a hole in the floor to find the fire. Now that goes against everything you've heard, but Chili said it was okay. And guess what? We did it. It worked out. That Chili was right. Yeah. Chili was right. Because you know, Chili's like a 42 year pipeman That's at the fire station in the city. So guess what I did? I cut a hole in with a, with a, a, a battery operated skill saw and it was running the floor joists like Chili said. So, you know, we have to take our way out and we have to listen to the guy that's got more experience than us. Yeah. You know, one of the things I really enjoyed about uh, what we did in Portland was you doing the count and yes. saying, everybody hold your breath and doing the whole, Hey, Houston fire department. What's the, uh, I saw that. Of your emergency and yeah. stuff. And I think that's such a great 
um, visualization for a class because like that whole hold your breath and see how long you can hold it before and before they even got all the information everybody's taking that first breath of air and you come back to that whole like hey this is that you know that gulp of smoke or whatever else that that, per- that person don't have that time so right it's yeah. a just very a very good powerful visualization and and a tool to use in the classroom and i thought that was thank you and it's true i mean when the booper goes off we have to be fast yeah it's, it's uh you know it's... but i think that goes back to that message of we're here for them and and what now i want to kind of snowball back into that because you know we, we brought that up when we first started but you know i almost think that that conversation is um it's it's foreign to me just like it was to you guys when you had that conversation and i don't really know why the fire service kind of has to redesign or redefine what the core mission is i mean you know there's always been flow path. Now it's a conversation called flow path, right? I mean, you know, it's always been an issue. You vet here, fires goes here, air moves, you do this, you blah, 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 right? Now, you know, we're here for them. No shit. We're here for them. Like isn't from day one, we were here for them. No, that's right. We, we arrived on their fire truck. They just let us borrow it 24 hours a day, you know, and, and the crew, when I was a captain, we always included the community at a fire the kids, we let them play on the fire truck while we were loading hose. That's their fire truck. And yeah. we have to, you know, and I don't know where we got away from putting them first. If you go to the grocery store, let a kid get on the fire truck. I liked fire trucks when I was a kid. Oh, it, I agree. It's, it's theirs. And um, we have to get away from we're better than them. We're just servants. We're, we're public servants that serve them daily. And I don't care if they call me to put their grandmother back in bed. I don't care if they call me for a sick call. I don't care if they call me for a fire. I'm their servant and I should act that way. And it's just, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree, Chief. I agree 100%. I think, though, we've gotten to this p- place in life, and not just in the firehouse, but in just in general, where um, typically we put ourselves before others. And yes. it's just, you know, um, I know just as a, a father of, ch- you know, four children, like four kids, you know, understanding and knowing and teaching them that, you know, we are to look out for others and it's, it's okay to, to put others before yourself. Right. I don't know how many times we're having that conversation anymore. Yeah. That's yeah. And we discussed it when you were in Texas. Right. We have well, let's to- talk it. Chief, would you mind expanding on that a little bit? Cause I know that you're pretty passionate. Like I am about that. You know, I think that that conversation needs yeah. to keep being talked and discussed. I mean, we were talking about firehouse culture. We we're talking about, meals and chores and all of that stuff right i mean talk let's talk about all this we have to we have to get back to loving each other and we have to, you know we talk about the brotherhood we talk about that brotherhood a lot but you know sounds good yeah it does yeah <laughs> brotherhood is real whenever someone's down on their luck you know and we have to all chip in and um we've gotten away from that somewhere and i don't know how we got away from it but we've got to bring it back and you know the good guys always have it the good guys always will and we take the brotherhood, and I don't want anybody, any fireman to get hurt. I don't want any, line, any more line of duty deaths, but we know that's going to happen. So we have to take care of each other by our training, by knowing each other, and making ourselves, building backup procedures and our tactics to make sure we're safe, because we still have to go and burn in buildings. You know, the, the, uh, the virus that's going on now, we still have to respond to take care of those people. That's our duty. So we have to put in safety features to do that. And then we have to watch out for each other. And there's no ego 
when it comes to watching out for each other. And, you know, officers, and I always say this, and it makes a lot of people mad. The biggest problem in the fire service is at your chief's level. So we've got to get away from that. We've got to put ourselves back in the shoes of firefighters, and we've got to put our shoes back, back into the workers and make it better for them and show them you care. And then that, that return, it comes back to you. I love the fact too. I mean, how about the fact that just because you're a chief, you're still a firefighter. Yeah, still. Right? Like, I, I think you almost get this disconnect, right? I mean, I love going to jobs and seeing chiefs pack up. I love seeing chiefs and work in different divisions and, you know, work in different parts of the fire ground. And you see a white hat on air. I'm like, this is a, this is a home run. I love this. It's what we're supposed to do. Yeah, if, I agree. You can't, agree. you can't ask someone to do something that you're not willing to do. Yep. If I'm not willing to go in and search, if I'm not willing to go and squirt water, I'm not willing to cut a hole, well, then I shouldn't ask anyone else. And so I think when we do that, guys know it. You know, at my station, we can, we can ride down one and ride up. So at, at mealtime, if the, the pump or the truck's getting hammered and a booper goes off, well, I'll jump on that and everybody will just ride up. So I'll take a run on the pump for the captain. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's the that brother, is, right? That's fantastic. Yeah, that's when we're supposed to do that. And, and Rob, that I, happens by Rob, that happens by you, right? All, yeah, all the time. <laughs> uh, but like, what a what a, what a great message that sends to the captain too, because that captain knows that you trust him enough that if something happens, like he can he can fill your spot. And I think that's like that says like I know as a as a quote unquote junior officer, like that's that means a lot to the to the officer being like, hey, I got this. Like, take a minute, and if something happens. I'll, I'll get there eventually. Just, you know, do the thing. It's kind of like, whoa, this guy is giving me this responsibility and, you know, and, and I'm going to not let him down. Yeah. So it just helps oh. drive him too. I love letting a junior guy ride the front seat every once in a while. So I don't have to, I'll ride the back step. I have no problem in the back step. I love that, man. I love taking a junior kid and putting him up front in the officer's seat and let him, let him be the acting for a bullshit call. Give him that feel, give him that experience. That's right. Hey, you know what? What happens when you do that? You get back to your roots and you appreciate oh, what he it. does. And then he appreciates what you do. And then everybody's better off. Yeah. You know, my, my favorite thing, Chief, is uh, the back seat. I always sit on the door and the other guys in the back that, you know, they, they've all learned this lesson. They, you know, I'm, I'm on the door. They hop in and yeah. I go climb over me and they go, just slide over. I go, no, you don't slide over. You never slide over. Yeah. And the young kids, they look at you. Why won't you, why won't you slide over? I go, because I got to be the first one out of the rig pulling that knob. I go, like a man in the middle loses, man. Like you got to ride the rail, you know, you got to ride that door. You're the first one out of the rig, man. Come on. It's common right. sense. Yeah. It's like you, you never give up the nozzle. You just yeah. tell me where you want it. I won't take it there. Yeah. Tell me where you want it. I'll get it there for you. No problem. Somehow I'll do that. But I, I, I love that conversation. And I think that's a testament to, to the, um, to how you are. And I, I think it's fun. I had a conversation earlier today. We did an interview with somebody the other day. Uh, and it just got, it just got posted. And I had somebody call me a buddy of mine. He goes, man, I listened to that podcast. It was awesome. He goes, I would love that guy to be my boss. I would love that guy to be my boss. Great comment. What a, what a great comment, right? It speaks volumes to the, to that guy and, and the type of guy he is. Um, I don't think there's enough of that. I don't think there's enough of that going around where guys are like, Hey man, I want to work for him. I want that guy. I want, you know, I, I just, there's, there's a big disconnect these days, man. There's a big disconnect from, from the top down. And I don't know when it happened. And when it happened. But we, you know what? I don't think we're so far gone that we can't fix it. You know, guys Good. like us. Talk you know, about that. I agree with you. I agree. And, and you know what? It's, it's fixable, first of all. Secondly, we have to fix it. 
you know, um, I think in a, at, a, at an officer level, the officer has to always fight up. You never fight down. You always fight up to take care of your guys. And when you do that, you, you become one of them. And that's the way we're going to save this. Whenever guys start worrying about their career and their future more than the department, you lose. Yeah. And we, we have got to get back to that because when I got in the fire department, you know, we might mess with someone in our station or our district, but no one else was. And that's, we've got to get back to that. Like you, you want to go to that district next to you and go to work. And that, that comes from us just getting back to the basics and caring about each other, training together. You know, I don't understand why chiefs and officers feel like they don't need to train. Yeah, you need to train. And, um, but it's not too late. We can fix it. And I think stuff like what you guys are doing, I think what we did in Texas. Yeah. I mean, there were some legendary people there. Absolutely. And I was, I was in the back of the room in awe. That's how we're going to save the fire service. And uh, oh, I, I offered to, oh, I offered to carry everybody's luggage on that trip. Exactly. I was like, listen, I, the next time we do this conference, I go, if you don't need my services, that's fine. I'll just come and carry luggage and be, be a wallflower. You know what I mean? Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I'll help Chris out in the van. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm telling you, we went, we went to that party that night, right? The, that happy yeah. hour. And I mean, the camaraderie between all of us was instant. And I think it was instant because again, like-minded people, you get good results. And you know, you want to, I want to take that group. I want to bottle up that energy. Right. And then I just want to like throw it out there and let people understand that one, it's okay to have that energy. It's okay to be into the job. Yes. It's okay to love what we do and it's okay to love a brother. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And that's, that's the fire service. You know, we preach it. Now we just got to live it and live yeah. it. Is exactly what you said. It's just, and it's okay. It's okay to love the job. We, we have a tremendous job right now though, educating the new, educating the new coming into this job. Right. Um, we have a, we have a big job ahead of us to, and, and we have a big job right now to educate them. I mean, I want to go back a little bit because I mean, 25 years in chief and some of the busiest companies in Houston, I mean, you guys see a lot of work. You've worked with a lot of hard hitting guys, I'm sure. But you know, your upbringing in the firehouse, maybe you can give me a little background of your upbringing in the firehouse. I mean, what it was like to be a pro 25 years ago in, in some of the busier companies. It's, yeah, it, you had know, it had to shape your mentality, right? It had to shape who you are. It really did. Um, I worked for two really good chiefs, Richard Lemoyne and Fred Hooker. And those guys really loved the fire service. And they were hard. They were mean. They were all salty guys. But they were okay because they watched you and made you comfortable. And then you come to the captain's level. I worked under Captain Jenkins. And most everybody on Facebook, so they know Captain Jenkins. And Captain Jenkins really cared about us. And he trained us hard in every aspect. He got a bad rap many years for training. And then I had J.D. Curtis, who was an old Vietnam vet, who was just like the, the father figure to you, would bring you back to earth if, if the world was crashing down around you. He would bring you back to reality. And then I had uh, the senior guys like Tommy Scott, who really taught us more than, than just the fire service. You know, Mr. Scott actually taught us how to be human beings in the fire service. And then you get the likes of Jerry Turner. When I first came in, they made us go to paramedic school and I hated it. But then we could go ride for people. And Jerry Turner opened up his station to me and trained me like, like a, 
you know, like nobody else could do. And right. so I took everything those guys did and balled it up into a big ball. I still call these guys. You know, um, there's a Captain Davis who's been retired for several years. If I'm having an issue, I will call him and I'm like, hey, am I doing this right? Tell me what you yeah. think. Or, you know, and so um, it's a big family, you know, and we've got to get back to the kitchen table every night, you know, and we were making, you know, 20, 27 runs a day. We would sit at the kitchen table and we learn and we yeah. talk. You know, I think I told you guys out there why we chose ramen noodles. I don't know, but we drank coffee and ate ramen noodles. And <laughs> I don't even know why, but we did. And, um, you know, and like the group we had, and you you know, we, we text almost daily. Yeah. So I can text you guys. I can text someone in California. I can text someone in New York. And you know what? We all think the same. Yeah. It may be a different structure, maybe a different response, maybe, but we all think the same. And that's the shaping of the fire service. You know, and you had a discussion, it was late one night about the millennials. So I think we can bridge that gap. I mean, oh, I do too. I do too. Computer guy. I'm a, so these guys can take me beyond where I ever wanted. And then I can take them on my upbringing, my, you know, my rural upbringing. We can kind of meet in the middle and we can make something better than we were, we ever were. So I, I think we need to spend time with them. We can't cut them off and just say, well, you know, he's a millennial. He doesn't get it. No, we just got to work a little bit harder. And I think we've got to meet them halfway because they've got a lot to bring to the table. I think the minute we give up on the millennials, we uh, we're giving up on the fire service. And I think that's part of the problem because, and Jeremy always always says it, like the challenge is to get people to engage them and they'll say something like, oh, they're always in their phones. And then we'll point out that they're like the senior man's just as much involved in their phone as a, as a young firefighter. But like, if you, bridge those gaps and and you get that you know yeah. older person in the fire service together with that younger person you're right we can really we can really make something happen i mean that's essentially what we're doing here with national fire radio and some and, and one yeah. aspect is we're we're getting the message out to the younger people um but i think in firehouses across the country and across the world that happens that's that's a win for everybody it's a home i life. think the I, I think the word engagement needs to be discussed consistently because Engagement comes down to this. The senior man, if he engages, people will listen. People get in. People want to be a part of it. It's easier these days to be distracted or sidetracked, or it's easier to write it off saying, well, they're not interested anyway, so I'm just going to go about my own business. Bullshit. I call bullshit. I'll say bullshit every single time. The senior guys are getting lazier, and because of laziness, it becomes complacency, and then it's easier to point the finger and blame. And we have a harder time more than ever. We have to work twice as hard than we ever did to educate the new. We have an obligation. But, Chief, something you said, I want to go back to it, though. You said even today those guys were your mentors, if you will, right? Mentors, meaning you could call them today and you could say, hey, you know, Jim, Jerry, Bob, whatever, right? Like, hey, you know, did I handle this right? You know, this one's been on my brain. I'm trying to think if I went about it the right way. I'm wondering now, though, do the kids in the firehouse today, the the – 10 year and under five year and under do these guys have mentors do they have mentors that they can lean on for advice or opinion or are they leaning on each other and that becomes the bitch and moan session and not a constructive fix or a constructive conversation never talked to i've never talked about this before this just dawned on me now i'm very lucky very lucky in my station i have those senior guys that still care 
the Dustin Grays, you know, he, he's a pipeman at one of the busiest stations, you know, um, the Wally Hayes, the, the pipeman. <clears throat> Those guys are out there every day with the young guys. The captains are out there 90% of the time, but that extra 10%, is those guys. And we were out a couple, a few months ago out just, just cutting wood, showing a rookie how to cut wood. And those senior pipemen were just, just over and over and over reps. So I'm very lucky that, and I think our young guys could call them at any moment. And you know what? The reverse, those guys are my mentors too. Right. I still, and believe me, I do. And, uh, we have a seating assignment at our, at our station. I said, but in the conversations we have, I learned from them. And you know, seating assignment at what? The kitchen table? Yeah. There's, there's, I love that. There's so much that you can do. And at night, the guy that drives me, his name's Frank. He cooks popcorn every night. No big deal, popcorn. We sit around and we talk because we're, we're not only firemen, we're also friends. Yeah. And we care about each other and we care about the district wide and hopefully that's contagious that goes out. But but it's not really it's not really the popcorn, it's the conversation. It is. It's you know, something like that where you can introduce it, you make it a tradition to have pop, Frank has popcorn every night on tour. The guys mm-hmm. know that well if the if you smell the popcorn, it's time for conversation. Yes, sir. Come sit down. I love that. I love and, that. And you know what? Everybody has free say. We learn, we learn from the young guys, just like the old guys. The senior man will say something. The young guys will say something. The officers just kind of sit back and take it all in. And I'll tell you something else we do. <clears throat> uh, Captain Mario, Captain Schroeder is really good about this. They assign the young guy a class. And it's not just stand up there and read. It's actually they put PowerPoints together. Or we may go out and um, Captain Schroeder and Captain Mario out of their own pocket built a, a ventilation prop. So we'll go buy a bunch of plywood and it's the responsibility of one of the young guys to teach it. Well, then all of a sudden you'll notice the senior guy who has brought that guy up is like within arm's length from him. And if he forgets something, he's not going to let him look bad because that's his, you know what I mean? I love it. I love it. That's, that's some extreme ownership right there. It is. That's the, that's what we're, that's what we're about. Because you know, if we do all of this, when those poor people and I've worked in poor neighborhoods my entire career, they can count on us because we count on each other. And when we all come together, you know, it's kind of like one big thinking. And, and that, that's the bottom line. And, and I think we've got to get away from hurry up getting back to the station. Like, I don't know why officers and chiefs have to hurry up, get in their cars and go back to the station. Man, hang out at the fire during overhaul and give a class. This is what happened. This is why. This is what we did. This is why. Before you know it, it's going to trickle down to those young, the millennials that we're talking about. And guess what? Everybody's working together. If I ever get too, too good to shovel at overhaul, then what, what does that say to the young guy? So, yeah, it's, and I, and I, it's, it's working. It's working. You, and, and I think it's like everything else. We always hear the bad stuff. We never hear the good stuff. True. We have a lot of good. Man. We have a lot of good. And so. And, and that's it, man. Like your face right now, just beaming with the excitement of the good. And I, I think I think you need to get your message out there more. I, I can't wait to see your class take off across this country. And, and I appreciate I think, it. No, I mean that, brother, because, you know, um, it's exciting. You know, we need more people to discuss the good. 
You know, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people out there tra- talking about training and technique and this and that, and, and guys eat that up, right? Yeah. Guys typically shy away from conversations of uh, promoting the, the wellness, promoting the culture and tradition, like, yeah, they, oh, yeah, no, we're fine, we're fine. Yeah. And then I get, you know, messages. I get messages all the time from young kids in the fire service yeah. that are disgruntled, they're put down, they, uh, they're trying to make a change. They're trying to push and make themselves better, make the department better, but they're getting resistance from, yeah. you know, the rank and file all the way up through the chiefs oh, yeah. um, and so on. And this is, this is a constant struggle for a lot of these kids. And you have a lot of people out there that are trying to make this thing good. They're trying to better themselves in their department and trying to be, be the best they can and emulate, uh, emulate guys like yourself that are sharing a good word. And then you get the naysayers. Yeah. It's a tough battle right now. It's it a is. tough battle. Um, but I, I love the excitement you have to say that the good is still here. I believe that wholeheartedly. I mean, that's why we did this. That's why we started this thing two years ago, because if this thing was dead, dying or, or done, I wouldn't waste my time. Yeah. I wouldn't waste my time. It's so a, I think this was, and I, we, I'm not saying this because I'm on here. I think we said this when we were in San Marcos, this is how we're saving it. You guys taking, taking your time. And, you know, I know you guys have jobs and I have a job and everybody has a job, but it's, it's important to you. And, you know, we're reaching a lot of people. And, and if those young guys are, are, are contacting you and me and stuff like that, well, we're really winning because who cares if somebody's got a bad attitude to fire service, we're just going to march around them. We don't That's care. It, man. We're just, That's it. Just let them go. I had a, uh, I had a, I, I, I had a fantastic back and forth. And if you don't mind, I just want to hop into it real quick last night. Um, I had a good back and forth with a kid on uh, Instagram direct message last night. And I'll tell you, man, he, he was so appreciative of what I said to him, but basically he said he's in a, he's in a department where he's struggling and he gets his balls broken religiously for trying to throw ladders and better himself and stretch lines with the younger guys. And because of the, the trickle down from the higher ups, to the lower, the lower kids are afraid to push themselves because they're going to get their balls broken just like this kid is. And so he's, he's really in a tough spot. And I basically told them, you know, sometimes shitty part is you can't affect change. However, it doesn't mean that you don't have to compromise your position or give up pushing yourself to be better. And I go on and on to talk about it, but I said, if they're letting you down, then you got nothing, nothing to worry about. You push yourself and it's infectious. I said, you know, people want to surround themselves with goodness. They want to surround themselves with positive. And, you know, you'll see, I said, you will affect change by pushing yourself to be better. Keep pushing yourself and don't let these mutts bring you down. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people make changes when they make rank to justify themselves being a load when they were younger. So that guy you're talking about, he's an ace. And I promise you those guys, if a roof falls on them, they want him coming to get them. Hell yeah. I agree with you a hundred percent, man. You know, it's, it's funny. We do a lot of departmental visits where we go in and, uh, you know, we'll get invited in by a couple guys in the department and they're like, Hey, we, you know, we want to show off this. We want to talk to you guys, whatever. So we go in and we go to these different departments and we go through their trucks and their equipment, how they stretch lines and how they do this and that, all these little tips, tricks and hacks that we talk about. And then we start getting on the culture and tradition conversation. It's typically happens out in the Bay or in their kitchen. And the senior guy is always, off in the corner doing his own thing wants nothing to do with us he thinks we're hokey you know he's like you know i'm just not into this in about 15 20 minutes into the conversation he's standing right next to me talking and it happens every single time because it's because it is infectious 
you know, the positivity when you're there to affect change, when you're there for the betterment and the right reasons, it doesn't matter if it's the new kid or the cranky old guy, the cranky old guy still hops in every single conversation that I have in any firehouse. They still hop in at the end because they realize it's better. This is good. It's happening. It is. So, it is. Yeah. And you know, it's, that's, we talked about the very beginning of the show. It's the brotherhood. Nobody wants to see their brother suffer. You know, and sister too. You know, throw them in there. Too. It's, yeah, it's, and, um, hey, we're going to win this. We're, we're a little swamp right now, you know, all, all this stuff that they went through. We're strong. The fire service is strong. You know, and I watch stuff daily. You know, Boston, New York, you know, and I watch small towns. We're still the ones they call. Absolutely. And, and you and people listening, think about this, especially the young guys. The love of your life is your child or your mom or your dad or your wife. But when we show up, they give them to us. That says something. That means something to me. And, and I refuse to let those people down. I can go into a station and nobody wants to do something. I refuse to let them pull me down because those people, you know, they're having their worst day. They don't care what kind of day we're having. That's right. We, we can't have a bad day. We have good days every day. And because, like I just said, they give us the most precious thing in their life. They give to us as they fix it. We have to. I love that. And, and what I love about that, Chief, because we're talking about the people we serve and the people that rely on us every single day. But the other thing about yourself, too, which I absolutely love and I admired during our conversations down in Texas when I got to know you, was the fact that you believe wholeheartedly in letting your people work. Yes. Trusting your own people. Let them go. Let them go. Let them go. Let's talk about that a little bit. I know, you know, being a hands-on incident commander on the, on the fire ground, um, you know, you're still in an operations role, if you will. You're still calling the ball and calling the plays, if you will, on, on the field at the fire ground, typically, right? Some of the stories you were sharing, you know, peeking your head on the inside to make sure you're checking conditions while your guys are working above and so on, like all of that. So you're a real hands-on uh, part of the command staff, if you will. Uh, but something you really talked about that, um, I don't think enough people talk about is letting their own people work. Trust your people. You mind talking about that for a little bit? Actually, and Chief, could you like let us know where the trust comes from? Because I think like that's that's what like we say like, hey, trust your own people. That's a good thing we can put up. We could I gotta make a slogan of that, sell a sign or something like that. But like where does the trust come from when 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 you're coming to work and you're like, all right, this company's here and I don't have I don't have to worry because like that trust comes from where? That's good, Rob. It comes from me getting out of my office and me stop thinking I'm better than they are. It's me getting out there while they're training. When I'm out there watching those guys train and, and we have standard procedures that we have built in, a backup line, for example. And so I know that backup line is going to work the same every time, no matter who pulls it on the four, the four stations I have in my district. And that comes from me getting out of the office and being involved. And, and I think if we train good at the station in non-emergency situations, there's no training going on in the fire ground. You give an assignment and they do the assignment and you've watched them enough to know that they're going to accomplish it. And then that backup line is going to protect that first line. No matter what happens, you've got trust in him because you spent time with him and watched. And so it's something else I don't do. I don't believe in talking on the radio a lot. 
you know, there's too much going on. An officer's watching his guys in there. He's leading his guys in there. And I shouldn't be asking him for a can report every 30 seconds. If I'm watching the roof, the line, and the smoke, I know the can because I can see it. And, and that comes because I get out of my office and get involved. And that's where the trust comes from. When you see these guys every day, and we have a really good schedule in Houston, and we train every day at the station. Sunday, we train. Saturday, we train. We train every day on something. And so if I get out of my office and get down there and watch them, I, that's, that's where the trust comes from. Yeah. And then if you give an assignment, you know that's going to happen. And that's, uh, and I, I think and that's the fire department I, I grew up in, you know. Um, you know, and, and I, I, I talked about Mike Phillips earlier. I was riding safety officer. It's been, it's been about a year or so back, and I made a fire. Most people would have just wrote this off. Chief Phillips is standing right there by the door. I walk up and say, anything, Chief? He said, no, these guys are going to get in a second. Man, I look at this big old chief. <laughs> wow. So anyway, so I do a 360. I go open up the back door, make sure they can get out for the emergency happens. What do I do? I bump into a guy doing a search. I say, man, everything good? He goes, yeah, man, I almost got the first floor done. So by the time I get back around where Chief Phillips is at, no radio communication, no talk. He told him what to do. I said, hey, Chief, it looks like they're getting it. And so the, the, the fire and the black smoke's turned white by now. He said, Mo, just turn the dogs loose. It's going to get okay. So I said, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember that. So if you ever want to talk to a great guy, Mike Phillips is like a living legend. I love that. And, yeah, he uh, there's no telling how many people he's rescued. And, uh, but, but that's what you got to do. But he does the same thing. He gets out and trains with his guys. And you're good, to, you're good guys, you know. And I missed them earlier. You're, you're John Miller's, you're Jerry Turner's, you're Tim Dunn's. Those guys are out on their hands and knees in quick hitches training with the guys because they're not better than them. They're just part of the team. So that's, that's how you trust them. You just get out and do it. Yeah, but I, it's also empowering them too, right? I mean, it's, it's really pushing them to be better, right? Because yeah. – you know, we've all worked for shitty managers. We've all worked for, you know, bad bosses that yeah. uh, didn't didn't really promote. And so, you know, without without their push, it was that self-drive, right? We had to push ourselves to say, hey, we got to be better than this. Mediocre is not, not a satisfying. You're right. We, we set district standards here. You know, the city standards are here. They'll hire whoever. But the district standards are here. We never lower those. And it's, you know, and it's okay to tell somebody they have to go somewhere else if they don't meet those standards. I love that. You've, you talked about that. And I think that's a fantastic conversation because I think we shouldn't have to surrender or sacrifice any part of our culture. No, no. I mean, we, we have, there was a culture that was there before you walked in those doors and then we continue to build that culture and make it better, stronger, and, and, you know, more proud for ourselves to be there. Um, I think company pride is so important. I think the second new engine, I think the second new engine beating the first new engine in is good competition. And it's not sour grapes, man. You yeah. got to be on your game. That's right. That's exactly right. And and you know, and we 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 have to take it one step further too. We have to pay tribute to the ones that come before us. Sure. Because they passed it down to me and you, and I think me and you probably think the same. We've got to pass it down to them. And guess what? A little bit of that legacy of the guys who taught us is going to carry on. And you have to have that competitive spirit. You know, and I think I talk about aggressive. People doesn't like the word aggressive. Well, I'm just the opposite. I want the most aggressive son of a gun in town working with me. 
because that's the guys that are going to come get you. Hell yeah. Yeah. I want to work. I want to work with the, I want to work. Listen, if, if they're, if they're talking about you, yeah. they're talking about you, right? They're talking about you for a reason. That's right. That's right. I want, I want some of the hardest hitting guys to be on my team. Yeah. And typically those hard hitting guys, yeah. are the guys that are going to be outspoken are the guys going to be out front. They're the guys that are going to be reprimanded for being too aggressive. You know, yeah. I'm okay with that. As I, want. Daily. I don't care. It doesn't cost me anything to go downtown. I go downtown and get one. I come right back and do the same thing. Hey, you know, uh, Captain Dugan told me the one thing he misses from retirement. And he goes, man, I don't know if you can explain it right. He said, but it's a little snotty fires that we used to make. And I'm thinking to myself, man, we're 1,600 miles away. We like the same thing. We like the dirty face. You know? That's, that's what we're supposed to do. I love that. <laughs> and you know, a couple of things. This will never be a clean job. This will never be a totally safe job. We just try to make it as good as we can. And we do that by training. And when we train hard and we build in safety features, when those safety features are what making us safe, that's our safety culture. It's not standing outside squirting water, doing survivability profiles and riding people off. You know, and I know you you heard this a couple of weeks ago. Someone lived in a house fire for 38 minutes and they survived once they got them out. That's telling me we've got to get in and get people. People yeah. live in buildings all the time. So yeah, I, it's it's important to discuss. I think too, um, you know, myself. I know I enjoy empowering um, the guys coming up, right? And when when we talk about company culture, building and, and maintaining the traditions and educating our own about that culture of your district or your company, right? And that it's okay to be aggressive. Um, I love that, and I love being a part of that conversation and instilling that because you know we can teach and we can train. Um, I just saw a, a great conversation the other day, a great piece on social media, and I'm. I'm Want a blank, but basically it was. Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, uh, FDNY, big rescue guy, big mustache, said it in a quote, and it said something about we can teach you through training. We can train you everything you need to know. All I need you to have when you come into our company is brains and balls. Yeah. Right. All the other stuff, all the other stuff can be taught. Yeah. But we got to be able to promote heart, and we got to promote balls. Yes. You know oh, yeah. the ability take initiative the ability to be able to do your job based upon the tools we give you to do that job but you still have to have it inside i'm a firm believer not everybody can be a fireman no i agree 100 percent. people can I'm just yeah just like i'm never going to be a concert pianist or play basketball or you know whatever i mean god didn't make me six nine and yeah. you know and i could dribble a ball so yeah. you know what i mean so I inherently believe, though, that, you know, the, the best of the best in this industry are guys that inherently were designed to be firemen. And I, I don't think everybody has it in them to be a firefighter. I just no. don't. You know, I, and I agree. It's, you know, you, you can teach the basics, but the love, the brotherhood, the heart, the, the and I, this is going to sound bad, but knowing that you would give up your life for someone else is rare is rare um and i i won't say his name because he he didn't he never wanted anyone to know this because he felt like it was bragging but um one of my old officers was looking for a firefighter whose roof fell on him. well they found him after some time and he said hey i'm gonna go get some help and the guy was burnt real bad he said man don't leave me and that captain goes i gotta go get a line and get back he goes man please don't leave me and so my old officer said he sat down by and they said he looked up. When he looked up, he said, just rolling orange. And he said he felt what he was feeling. 
and he said, but he, he said this, when I got cold chills, I wish you, I wish you were here to see it. He said he wasn't going to let him die by himself. And um, man, I tell you what, that guy was, that guy was really something to me. He, and he retired and I wish I could tell you his name, but when he told that story, he said, man, don't, don't, don't tell a lot of people because they'll think it's bragging. He said, but you know then your worth. And probably uh, 10 years ago, he told me that. And I tell that story all the time. And, and, but he said, you know your worth when you said, I won't, I won't let him die by himself. Man, that's, that's wow. Deep. Yeah. And a good guy. He's a legendary guy. You know? yeah. so, if, if he hears this, he'll know who he is. That's, well, good. I mean, you know, he should be recognized because yeah. I think more people need to hear that story. And I think, uh, you know, I don't know how many, I, I like to think that all the guys I ride with are understanding it would be in that same situation if they had to be right. And yeah. so on. I just, that's incredible. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, I get like, uh, you know, we were talking about, I carry everybody's luggage if we do that yeah. and so on. I still get starstruck with this job. Like I still, you know, I mean, there's go ahead, brother. Cause you're, you're chomping over there. I love it. Yeah. But I, I do. I, I think, like this for me, I'm like a kid in a candy store, man. I mean, that's partly why we started National Fire Radio, man. I, I created a platform where I get to talk to people and interview people and and hear stories. Like I love storytelling. I can sit around and have a cold one and tell stories, and but more importantly, listen to the stories. I think the stories are so important um, because all stories bring a message and typically a lesson with them. And when we have the ability to capture the stories of Chief Mo Davis and all these other guys that we've been able to interview over the years now. Um, to me, man, it's just such a, a testament to what the fire service is all about and how and why it's so important to do that. Um, and I like to think that people will get value out of that and that the young kid that's missing that in the firehouse that he's in might be able to listen to Mo Davis tonight and take something away from that, knowing that the job is good and he's got to find, he's got to find where the job is good. I hope one person. Yeah. One person is a success, and uh, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. It's it's the best job in the world. I don't care what anybody says. With all the tragedies we go through, anybody knows Houston Fire Department. We yeah, you guys tragedy. have had a lot of tragedy. Yeah, you you know put the collateral up. That's for sure. I love it. I love the job, and I loved everybody that I've ever been associated with. That's that's led me to my career, and. Um, you know, I was, I was attending a class the other day. I still attend a lot of classes. I was attending a class, and a guy said, hey, man, who's the top four you wanted to come, come get you? Picked up my phone, I texted all four of them. I said, hey, just to let you know, I'm in a class. <laughs> and, and you know what? <laughs> a lot of people think it's weird to brag on people that you respect and brag on people. Man, I'm just the opposite. I want everybody to know what those guys mean to me. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable in my manhood. I don't I, yeah. uh, Chief, I think that's part of the conversation. Like, I'm super comfortable with who I am, too. And that's why I have no problem telling telling and talking and doing what we do, right? I mean, I, my biggest thing is, you know, nobody will ever have anything on me because I put it all out there. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, and I, I'm very much the same way with, like you are. I love promoting others. I love people that deserve attention and props. I'll be the first one lining up, packing them, you know, patting them on the back and promoting them to the best of my ability, because I think it's so necessary. Um, and I'm not afraid to do that. I'm not afraid to give a guy a hug and I'm not afraid to have a tear with a brother. And I'm not afraid to um, promote the job for being good. Um, 
Yeah. You know, I don't I don't know why there has to be a stigma with any of that. I don't know why people have to put their guard up. I think now more than ever, there's a lot of guard up. I don't know. Yes, I, I think that people put their guard up, though, because like the chief was talking about a little bit, uh, bit ago, like guys are putting their career and, and their own asp aspirations before they put up that brotherhood. And I mean, really, that's where it comes around to like, you know, we, we wonder why people don't step up. We wonder why people don't do the right thing. And you said before about the mentors, like, do, do the young people have the mentors or do they turn it into that pitch session? And I yeah. think that in, in that balance or in that mix in there is, a, is those bad seeds that get planted into the fire service for those who are um, looking for advancement. And it's kind of muddied the waters. Yeah. So, like, I think that's why that doesn't happen because guys, not that they don't want to look weak, because I don't think that's really, I think we've done a really good job of kind of right. stamping that out in the fire service. I think that they're worried about getting screwed over in some way right. by being honest with people. Like, we look at a lot of the things that are going on today. We talk about mental health issues or suicide. And yeah. really, I look to myself and I go, like, well, is it just that, like, what are, what is anybody afraid of to talk about? And where's the fear coming from? And, and Jeff Dill actually talked about it the other day with uh, Firefighter Behavioral Health Alliance. He did a thing about, you know, in these times with, with COVID-19 and everything, yeah. kind of having to reset and recharge. But he said, like, look at look at what, what where anger comes from and fear and everything else. And I don't think we're, like, I don't say we're not honest, but, like, right. there's a reason people aren't aren't stepping up. And, and Mo, in your career, you've had guys uh, come up to you and say, like, hey, man, I'm having a hard time with this chief or or cap or whatever rank you were and you yeah. knew those guys that you've mentioned in this podcast you could always go up to them but yeah. i'm not sure that that's happening or not that it's not happening but i think that like that self-advancement is yes. getting in the way of that and that's why like our work here is so important because we've got to push that that so. that you know my career first and then everybody else it's it should always be everybody around me first and then i'm and then and then, mm -hmm. and then me you know, and I think you guys are doing a great job because I follow you, not only because we're friends, but I do follow you because of the good stuff. But if anyone is ever concerned about their career moving up and still being loved, look at Ray Downey. The guy went to the, the pinnacle of his career and he was tough and he fought for his guys, but he never gave in. And look what he accomplished. Yeah. And so if anybody... Great example. Research him. Just take a take a little while and research him and read him, and you will find that you can still be a fireman. You can still be tough. You can still love the job and reach a career point. Yeah. And you know what? If I never go beyond where I do, and I'm okay with that, I I, I don't aspire to be. I love what I'm doing. I, I can do more good here than I could up there. You know, I, I never strive to be an assistant chief. I never strive to be a fire chief. I'm just a fireman. I'm just a fireman who's an older guy who took a test. Love it. So, Love it. so he could still stay on the job, you know? So I have to tell you a funny story. So when I was on the rescue truck, a good friend of mine, Anthony Abbott's son come on the job. And so he's our rookie. So he's cutting his first hole. So he's cutting his first hole in the fire department. So I'm going to watch. I'm not going to miss that. And yeah, so right. go up the ladder. And so then before I could call his dad and brag on him, he called his dad and he goes, hey man, is it? The Chiefs normally get up there and watch you cut a hole. And he goes, who was it, Mo? He goes, yeah. He goes, man, you just have to get used to it. <laughs> There's no way I would let his son cut his first hole and me not be happy for him, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and somebody that's sitting in an office at a desk, they don't understand that. No. no there's disconnect. Yeah. And so he'll always remember his yeah. first 
phone and the big old fat guy that was there watching him. And I'm okay with that because oh, you know what? It, that's what we're, that's what we do. And, um, yeah. And, um, but guys need to get away from worrying about themselves. It's always the citizens, then the department and the guys, and then yourself. Hey, yeah. you know, and you, you call anybody at my station today and they'll tell you, I'm telling you the truth. I don't eat until every member there eats. I'll stand up and they'll all eat because they're the workers, not me. And so I eat after them because they're more important than I am there. And we have got to get officers believing that, you know, and, and I know some, you eat what they want to eat. They sit down first and you cater to them. No, that's not what it is. It's them than us. And we, we've got to get back to that. That's it. Uh, yeah, brother. Just this is something I've this has been on my mind ever since uh, Portland. But like, I'm just curious for for you for yourself. What is it that you look for in officers who are going to work in your district? Like, if they're if, if somebody has aspirations to come come and work with Mo Davis as an officer, and then the same question back towards if somebody wants to be a fireman under Mo Davis in a district. Like, what are those? What are you looking for? What are the the bullet points of of what you want? I want officers who are that are aggressive and that puts the citizens first, not themselves. And then I want that officer to take care of those guys at his station. You know, I say this, and I think this answers it better than I could, that if there's a problem at a station, it's the captain's fault. If there's a problem in the district, it's the district chief's fault. Then if there's a problem citywide, it's the chief's fault. So what you have to do is as an officer, you have to be aggressive and you have had to earn your way to that point. And it can't be one that will just sit back and say, do as I say, not as I do. You have to be a doer as well. So then whenever you take that to a young guy coming out the tower or coming out of the academy, coming out there, you want to come there, you want to make fires. You, you know, I tell people, this is funny, but it's true. Have you ever heard of a used car salesman not wanting to sell a car? No, no, I want to make fires. It is okay to want to make fires. I agree. And so I want that kid there. You know, I want that kid up at 10 or 11 o'clock at night studying. I want that kid down there on the fire. And then I also want that officer there, there with them. And um, that, that, that's what I want. When somebody comes to work with me and, and I want them to, um, I want them to love the job. And that's all, that's not asking too much, you know, and there's a lot of, there's some that don't do it, but you know, for the most part, we still get that. But I just want the aggressive guy, and I want the guy that's not looking to better himself over his company. I want that company pride. I, I think everybody in that district should have district pride, but each station in that district should have that station pride. And by golly, you're not going to beat me. That's my nonsense. You know what I mean? It's okay to have that. And uh, that's what I'm looking for in an officer. And, you know, guys call and say, hey, I'm thinking about coming over there. Well, you don't want somebody to come to a busy station just to make a name for themselves on the back of a fireman. You want to come over there and make a good name for themselves. You know, the Clifford Reeds at 25s. When you, in Houston Fire Department, if you hear station 25, you're going to think of a few people. Jim Morris, one, was a chauffeur. You're going to think of Clifford Reed. You're going to think of Eddie Hallis as a pipeman. That's what you want. You want to equate those good people to that station. And, and, that's, and that's what I look for. I love that because, you know, that's, it's very true here, you know, in, in uh, the Northeast where we are, I mean, it's just steeped in tradition. We have fire companies that are 200 years old or more, you know, and I mean, it's incredible, right? The history. But when you talk about like, especially outside of New York city, where I am, 
you know, 20 minutes outside of, you know, over across the George Washington Bridge to Manhattan, right? So, you know, when you talk about city firehouses, a lot of them are known, you know, uh, they're ranked houses, if you will, as to how good they are and, and how busy they are. And then it goes, it always goes to the conversation of the, those couple guys that came from those houses. And they kind of set that tone of, of what level, uh, how good that house is based upon who came out of that house, you know, yes. and the, you know, and so on. And I, I love that. I, I think it's so important. I think you hit it right on the head. You know, it's one thing I'm, I'm a firm believer in betting, bettering myself because if I'm good, my company's going to be good, right? Yes. But you also talked about, you know, you want them to better the company before themselves. And I agree with that. I think that everybody needs to work harder at the greater good. And then you worry about yourself on the back end, right? That if you're, if you're, cause if you're constantly striving to make the, the bigger entity, the whole better, you're inevitably going to make yourself better along the way. Yeah. Right. I'm a, I'm a firm believer in that. Um, and I think it's important because I go home or I'm not in the firehouse and those guys are hitting the asphalt it's still me that's riding with them, right? I mean, it's still all my input, everything that I did to my input into that company or the junior guy that I instilled some values in and he's, he's taking care of it on the fire ground because of something I taught him for the better good of the company, right? That company, that truck rolls up with a big three on the door, engine three, right? Yep. So you want that reputation, engine three is here, they're going to work, you don't have to worry about it. It doesn't matter who's sitting in the seat. That's it. That's, yeah. that's it in that ship. And yeah. That's, that's you, you can't ask for any more. You know, it's like rookies. You don't harass rookies. When rookies come to the fire station, you know, you don't need a good janitor. You don't need a good dishwasher. You need a good fireman. So get them out of the kitchen, get them outside and train them. Because whenever they leave you somewhere else in the city, your name is on them. Oh my God. I love that. Nobody ever talks about that. I mean, if you, if you think about that, I mean, it's like, all right, kid, welcome to the firehouse. Yeah. is over there. Bathroom's over yeah. there. You know, kitchen's over there. Yeah. You know, we'll get to you when we're ready. Yeah. 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 You should take them to the pumper and say, here's where you're riding, and this is what we're going to do. Yes. And just start from there, from ground zero. You know, and I, I never got into playing those silly games, get ready in two minutes. Oh, silly. Teach them something. Teach them what this job's about. It's just, yeah, it's easy. And you know, this is the easiest job in the world. The biggest thing you have to have is care and guts. Old and guts, and everything else is going to come in place. I agree. I agree. So, what's next for Mo Davis? Man, I, I don't know. I just hope to keep doing this. You know, I uh, never one day thought about retiring. Um, no. I want to teach more. You know. Uh, yeah, that's good. I love it. You know, and I love just just getting out. You know, just spreading the word. Um, we have a lot of people spreading the bad word on stuff, and so I want to come and you know, and it spread some things that I was taught. And, you know, this is, Mo Davis didn't come up with all that. This class that I teach, it's not Mo Davis's class. It's it's the class that I was taught. And so all I do, I, I was telling my friends. It's un you're just, unbelievable. Yeah, it's just. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, yeah, so I hope, um, you know, there's talk that I might get to come up that way um, pretty soon. I was talking to Aaron. Yeah. And, uh, man, that guy's a good guy. Mm-hmm. Solid. I'm glad uh, I'm glad you guys are getting mixed up. I, I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah good yeah. things. The more I talk to him, the better that better I like that guy. And yeah. it's that's what we need. And you know, and I said this earlier, and I really believe it. Everybody in that class with us out there last a, a few months ago, man, we're cut from the same mold. Yeah, 
We're just different departments, but we're the same person. You could put us all in a dark room and let us write on a piece of paper, and I bet you we're all going to say the same thing. I believe it. I believe it, hundred percent. So what? So you might be coming up this way. I think there was talk that um, that I might get to come up there. So man, I'm hoping that'd be great. Well, if not, we we got to get together. We're so we were um, we do these events called on taps where we take over a bar, uh, typically a brewery, and then we bring in a speaker and and we throw a brotherhood event, bagpipes, music, we MC the thing, and then we do a lecture. Or, Somebody does a presentation for 45 minutes, an hour or so, um, you know, kind of gets you out of the classroom, puts you in an informal setting and really it promotes the best of the brotherhood um, and so on. So we were supposed to be doing five of these this year. Um, we have sponsorships behind that and everything and so on. Um, but this thing is really this, this coronavirus right now has really put a damper on things for us. Um, but I, you are a guy on my radar that I would love to uh, involve you in it and have you do it. one of ours. Um, and I would be honored to get you in and we'll, we'll talk about it, work out the details, but, um, you are somebody that is truly on my radar. I think you have so much to offer and I think so much good is coming from you and for the fire service, man. And I just, uh, I'm excited for you. And that's why I asked what's next for Mo Davis, because I think everybody needs a little Mo Davis in their life. I really do. Oh, yes. It's a lot from you guys. I really do that. You know, someone I look up to, too. Hey, we're spreading the word. All right. Cool. Yeah. That it means a lot. I'll be there. Yeah, good. I know uh, the conferences. Been, were uh, were you part of FDIC? Were you going to be at FDIC or? I didn't get accepted, um, but I would still like to go out there. You know, there's, yeah. it's in a, even if I just went there and hung out. You know, I would like that. It's, that that part of it is unbelievable. It's it's uh, yeah. It's upsetting that that got canceled already. Um, you know, all everything's canceled. Um, yeah. in this day and age, but uh, we got to get. You know, I'm a little concerned about this too. I'll be honest. I, I was talking about this the other night on another uh, podcast we did, but. Um, you know, real quick, I just want to get your take on it. I'm a little concerned with the, um, with all this quarantine and everything. It's giving an excuse for the fire service to separate. I'm yeah. a little, I'm a little nervous about uh, the repercussions of all of this um, and what it's going to do to the fire service. Um, I know, like, just on the volunteer end of things, like volunteer firemen aren't even allowed in their stations. I mean, you're, you're destroying the camaraderie and the brotherhood that goes along with all of that, except for call response. You know. Yeah. Um, and so on. But in the career service too, you have a lot of guys that are tapping out sick. You have a lot of departments that are missing a lot of guys. Um, you have, uh, I was talking to somebody the other day, their career departments, they have to go through checks and balances before they even get in the building. They have to go through screening. They have to go through one entry in and then during meals and stuff, they all have to sit apart. Like they can't even be a cohesive group. It breaks my heart. Maybe you're uh, better than that. We're better than that. And you know, I don't care if you're a volunteer department, I don't care if you're a career department. I don't care if you're 10,000 or 100. You're a fireman. People let us be firemen. We're going to figure it out. And you know what? God forbid you get sick, and you were when you were in Texas. I'm still going to be around you. I am, I am not going to separate myself from you. It's just like. I didn't get anyone sick when I was down there, man. I was sick as a dog. Yeah. And, yeah. And you know what? We'll get through this. We'll get through this, and we'll look back. And I just hope the old guys take the young guys and bring them in and say, man, listen. Hey, you know what? They murdered firemen on 9-11, and we came through it. Damn so right. A little, a little virus is not going to set us back that much. We're going to be Good. okay. Yeah. I like that. If I get the flu for a week or two, I'll be all right. Yeah, I, well, that's my point. I mean, that's my point of all this. I, I just 
But anyway, yeah, it's just a concern. It is you, a great concern. Don't worry about it too. You know, and we talked about that at the station and everybody put their input in. And, you know, if you're sick, if you're legitimately sick and you call off, hey, man, I'm good with that. But, man, just don't, don't, don't use it as an excuse. Man, we're, we're just better than that. We're better than I agree. That. Yeah. I agree. Rob, what do you got, pal? We're pretty quiet tonight. Yeah, no, I'm just listening to a good conversation, man. I know. So. I know. Well, I can't thank you enough, man. We've been going for over an hour already. But, uh, Thank you. I, I I really appreciate it. I uh, I think a lot I don't of even you, think we I don't even think we scratched the surface tonight. I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah. And I I would love to have you back on. I'd love to have you in the studio with us because when we get to do the studio interview, yes, there's sir. just so much more uh, emotion going on with it, and just you know yeah. the whole camaraderie of it. And um, you know we're doing a lot of these uh, remote podcasts now, and it's uh, it's just not the same. I mean, you know, no. this has been fantastic, but. We want to have you in the studio when you get up this way. We'll get you in. Amen. Uh, but I would, I would love to spend some time with you. And uh, love it. You got the stories to share, and your your command class is fantastic. I think it's a refreshing view of uh, firemanship and the command structure, and understanding that you know textbook is textbook, but experience is experience. Um, and I think that conversation needs to happen more than it is these days. Um, and I think you bring a lot of that to the table and that's exciting. Thank you so much. And Hey, anytime I'll be there, man. I'll, you just tell me I'll be there. That's fantastic. So Mo, that's where can we find you? You have a, you have a website, you have anything where people can find you or your training, or I know there's some YouTube clips out there of you. Yeah, there's some YouTube and Facebook is Mo Davis. And okay. there's, um, my Gmail is Mo Davis 68 B and guys can, guys can email me call me anytime i don't care if they want to talk fire you know and, and we were talking earlier if someone's having a hard time with something and they don't can't talk to anyone else then call me we'll get through it we'll, yeah. listen. so that's an instagram's mo davis 68b2 i think so they can get away any any way they can get a hold of me like that they can get with you guys you guys have my personal number you're welcome yeah. to call me and um yeah just uh that's what we're for, man. It's, it's a brotherhood. Yeah. My man, I love it. I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time thank out tonight to spend some time. We haven't we haven't really chatted since uh, we were together a couple months ago, but uh, yeah. it's like we were just saw you yesterday. And um, I love it. I love it. That's what I love about it. So listen, be safe. Thank you for joining us tonight, man. Steve, thank and, you. Uh, thank we're you. gonna get you. We'll get you back on again. And I wish you nothing but continued success with your career. And everything you're doing, brother, and just keep spreading that good word because, man, your smile is infectious, and I love I it. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. I'll see you guys soon. You got it, brother. Take care. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bye -bye. Chief. Bye-bye.